welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Now, Ang Harrod Edwards, who's a member of our PTC, is going to come and speak to us from that passage in Luke about the joy of the kingdom. Let's try that. Oh, brilliant. Okay, good morning, everybody. Um, 
Yeah, it's a pleasure to come and speak to you today. Well, I don't know about you, but I love being invited to parties. I remember as a kid, you used to get those colorful invitations that you could buy in bulk, the ones that had the blanks where you put in people's names, the place that you go to, have the little RSVP cutoff slip at the bottom. Nowadays, I generally have to make do with an invite over Facebook. But when we're invited to share in a celebration, it's a great privilege to be included, to rejoice in someone's birthday, an anniversary, special occasion, or an achievement. And I wonder when you think about God, about his character and his nature, whether you're used to the image of God throwing a big party. And I have to admit that until I started preparing for this talk, this wasn't an image that came readily to mind. The fact that God is loving and faithful, these are things that spring to mind at first. Perhaps for some people, though, the idea of God is of being more serious and a grave character is more real to them. That he would be more likely to be against any sort of party or celebration, let alone throw one. Well, this morning, as you heard in the latter part of the reading, the father in the story throws a lavish party for the return of his younger son. And we've been looking at this parable now for a few weeks and have been discovering how the father in the story represents our father in heaven. Celebration is, in fact, at the heart of God, and as such, it should be at the heart of us, his people. The title of today's talk is We Had to Celebrate and Be Glad, Experiencing the Joy of the Kingdom. And it would be great if you could keep your Bibles open on page 991 as we explore this topic together. So to just give you some context to the passage, Jesus told this parable about the lost son in response to the situation highlighted in verses 1 and 2. If you look with me now, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and teachers of the law, the religious, dutiful, good men who followed the rules, they're unhappy because Jesus is attracting sinners to him, tax collectors, bad people. They're listening to him, and he is eating with them. Jesus challenges his audience by telling a series of three parables in this chapter of who will share in God's kingdom as sons and daughters of God and celebrate at his joyful feast in heaven. And it is a shocking message to those who think they are good enough and have earned their way to be a part of these celebrations. For Jesus explains that no one is good enough and that everyone is lost. But set alongside man's helpless state of being lost is God's joy in finding them and restoring them to a full relationship with him as his sons and daughters. 
This morning, I want to draw out three main points from this passage. Firstly, the joy of the Father's heart. Secondly, the cause of this joy by returning to him. And finally, our response, whether to reflect or reject the Father's heart. So let's take a look at the first point, the joy of the Father's heart. We see from the passage that Mark read for us that the father's immediate response was to welcome the younger son home. He clothed him in a robe, a ring, and sandals. And we saw how this signified our adoption into God's family. No longer is this boy effectively dead to his father. He is once again a son and heir. And straight after this verse, in verse 23, we see the father's command of let's have a feast and celebrate. The father's response is a call to rejoice. He doesn't choose to make this boy suffer, to make up for his wrongdoing and the shame that he's brought on the family. No, the father's response is lavish. It's extravagant. It's a gift beyond all expectation. He calls for a feast and celebration. And this is exactly what we see in the previous two parables in this chapter. They also tell of something being lost, a sheep and a coin. And both bring out the point of celebrating and rejoicing when the object in question is found. In the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 verses 4 and 5, it says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. The man isn't angry at having to have to go in search of this sheep. He doesn't begrudgingly put it on his shoulders when he finally finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And this is our God that we're talking about. By writing out these three parables, one after the other, Luke is emphasizing the amazing character of God. Celebration is an intrinsic part of his nature. He rejoices in having a restored relationship with us. We hear at the end of the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you hear this? When we turn away from sin and come before God in repentance, there is a party in heaven for each one of us. He delights in us and knowing us. As C.S. Lewis once put it, joy is the serious business of heaven. Now coming back to our passage in the parable of the lost son, I am struck by the very last verse, verse 32 which says, but we had to celebrate and be glad. In response to the older son's anger at the father's celebrations, the father responds with the imperative, we had to celebrate. It was a necessity. There were no two ways about it. They had to be glad. They had to rejoice. And this is getting at the very heart of God Central to his character is this celebration and joyfulness. 
God so longs for our return to him that he can't help but celebrate when we do. I cannot stress enough how important it is for us to grasp this facet of God's character. Without understanding this, we won't realize the impact that it can have on our lives. As the preacher and writer John Ortberg puts it, we will never understand the significance of joy in human life until we understand its importance to God. So if joy is at the heart of God, then it should be at the heart of his people too. If our identity is rooted in him, then the joy of being in relationship with him should fill our hearts each day. Ours also should be a heart which breaks for those who don't know the Lord yet. We should long to see them know him. God's invitation to share in this joy is to all people. The father not only goes out to his younger son, but he goes out to the older son too. God longs for a full relationship with his children and to share in the joy that that brings him. If we are sons and daughters of God, then we should seek to celebrate this joy with one another. Celebration is communal, and as such, we should want to see each other know the joy of this sonship, which it brings to us each day. So after considering the joy of the Father's heart, now let's consider the cause of this joy, us returning to the Lord. We heard from the reading that the younger son had squandered everything. He had nothing. He was starving and had realized how much he wanted to return home, even if that meant him being a servant in his father's household. He was truly sorry. He came back knowing how unworthy he was to receive any sort of favor from the father. As he sat with those pigs, this son could never have imagined the joy that was in store for him. His repentant heart and return to the Father caused a massive celebration full of rejoicing, a feast with dancing, a truly amazing party. And this is a picture for us here today in this church in Parsons Green. This is an image of the welcome home someone receives when they ask Christ to be into their lives and accept him as their savior. There are celebrations in heaven over just one sinner who returns. This is also a picture for those of us who already know that we are saved, that we are children of God. We are so precious to him that seeking him each day causes him much joy. He delights in that relationship he has with us. So the Father longs for us to be in relationship with him. This is his desire. But this is what the older son didn't see. He didn't understand the Father's heart. The Father's heart who longs for us not to be dead, but to be alive, once lost but now found. The older son who represents those Pharisees and teachers of the law listening to this parable. They were blinded to the fact that they too were lost. They didn't delight in being God's sons. And therefore, they were in just as much need of returning to the Father, asking for forgiveness, 
as any younger brother or tax collector. Last week, Will spoke on sin as self-righteousness. The older brother is guilty of this sin. He believes he deserves to have a celebration unlike the younger brother. If you take a look at verses 28 to 30 with me now, it says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. He thought that doing the right things, following the rules, would get him favor and get him what he wanted. Because of his self-righteousness, the older brother cuts himself off from the father. He refuses to go in, refuses to join in this celebration, and refuses to share in this joy. Those who are children of God must seek his forgiveness. And in so doing, they must therefore forgive others their sins. A good friend of mine once gave me a book entitled Repentance, the Joy-Filled Life. I wonder if to some of you, the idea of repentance and being filled with joy is not really something that goes hand in hand. But for those who know God, who are in a personal relationship with him, this is not the case. Whilst we know we are heirs to God's kingdom, until Jesus returns, we still live in this fallen world. We still sin. But God brings us to repentance, and we celebrate with him in our relationship. As I've matured in my faith, I've been challenged by my need to repent more and more. It's not something that we should do only when we've got communion or when we see fit. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And although I know that I am saved, I do still sin. I sin every day. And therefore, I'm in need of repenting my sins. I've learned my need to do this on a daily basis. I'm not holding myself up as an example of someone who does this perfectly, trust me. We need to daily turn away from sin, to say no to temptation, but because of who we are in Christ, because we know that we are free to do so. When we turn from our sins and back to God, we bring joy to the Father in heaven. So in light of this joy that is so central to our Father's heart, and how we can share in that joy, finally let's consider our response to reflect or reject the Father's heart. We are all invited to share in this joy. We're invited into his kingdom to be his people. The creator God of the universe invites us individually. But the question is, will we accept this invitation? Are you like the younger son? Have you turned your back on God and chosen to live life your way? Are you yet to return to him and repent? Or perhaps you detect some of the older brother thinking. Pious actions, going through the motions, 
but inwardly lacking that joy because you lack that personal relationship with God. And if that's you, then I think you can be assured that you're not alone. Our challenge as people of God is to continually root ourselves in Christ, our perfect role model and example. We don't deserve the treasures that God has in store for us. We can never earn them. Our life is a gift because of what Christ achieved on the cross for us. And this is something to celebrate continually, even when it is hard to do so. As John Ortberg puts it, we're invited to rejoice in every moment of life because every moment of life is a gift. I wonder, do you rejoice in every moment of life? Does that sound like a nice idea, but not something that's going to last beyond the church doorstep? Our prayer then should be the same as the words of the psalmist who said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God calls us to enter his joy, not the joy that the world offers. I have a dear friend who has a deep relationship with God, and she sees joy even in the darkest of situations. And she is a real inspiration to me. In trying circumstances that would put me beyond what I could bear, she sees joy in the smallest of things. Through her example, God is teaching me to rejoice in every little hint of God's kingdom manifesting itself here on earth. Each person I hear pray, each individual I hear about who turns to Christ, each act of forgiveness and love that I see demonstrated. The writer and pastor, Henri Nouan, wrote that he was not accustomed to rejoice in the things that are small, and that he found it a real discipline and I have to admit, I agree with him. He says in his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, that this discipline requires choosing the light even when there is much darkness to frighten me, choosing for life even when the forces of death are so visible, and choosing for truth even when I am surrounded with lies. I'm tempted to be so impressed by the obvious sadness of the human condition that I no longer claim the joy manifesting itself in many small but very real ways. The reward of choosing joy is joy itself. Jesus was called the man of sorrows, yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Seeking joy even in the midst of sorrow, is possible. And I would encourage all of you here to seek that joy continually, no matter what your situation. This isn't positive thinking. As one author puts it, it is eschatological thinking, that is, viewing everything in light of the resurrection and the ultimate triumph of the risen Christ. This is how we can have joy in our hearts, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. So let the Spirit of God work in you and bear his fruit of joy in your heart, that we might know that the joy of the Lord is our strength.
So, will you choose to join in the celebration? Have you allowed your everyday life to stop you from joining in with this joy? Are you like the older brother, refusing to go in? Or the younger brother, turning your back on God? Either way, are you willing to return back to him now with a sorry heart and ask for forgiveness? Because when you do, there is one awesome party in heaven in store. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you welcome us with outstretched arms. You offer us an amazing life with you, one we do not deserve. And Lord, we just thank you now for your love that is so great, a love that makes our souls sing out to you. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in every moment of life, to know in our hearts that this is the day that the Lord has made, that we may be glad and rejoice in it. For your glory, Lord. Amen. Well, I'm sure we all want to thank Harrod so much for such an exquisite painting of the joy of the Father. And um, as Jamie and uh, Rowena come up and um, prepare to lead us in our final hymn together, I'll just invite you to stand and we'll just share a moment of quiet before we um, enter back into the, uh, the noise and busyness of of our day. And it strikes me that perhaps there are some of us here um, today who feel that maybe that joy, um, the joy of the Father, um, has been lost somewhere along the way or has been stolen from them. Perhaps um, the, the, the joy that of the Father was not, never something that had occurred to us that the Father might be joyful over somebody like you or me. Perhaps the connection between repentance and joy is a new thing to us too. And we feel a stirring within ourselves to, to have a change in direction perhaps and to turn our face to a joyful Father who wants to embrace us. And perhaps the challenge to embrace joy amidst pain and suffering seems to us a big one today. Just in the quiet, let's offer our hearts, our thoughts to a loving Father who longs for us to enter into his joy.
Lord Jesus, thank you for showing us the joy of the Father in this story. We thank you for Angharad's words, inspired by that joy. Lord, help us as we seek to turn away from, from that which steals our joy. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us to lead us back into the Father's embrace. And give us strength to embrace the light in dark places and the joy amidst pain and suffering. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. As we sing our final hymn together,